Shalom. Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible Study, where we wrestle with God's Word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Ready to do something different? Join David Pelegi this August as he embarks on an in-depth study tour of Poland, once home to a vibrant Jewish community that flourished for almost a thousand years. Visit beautiful medieval cities, castles, synagogues, churches, and abandoned cemeteries, from Warsaw to Bialystok, and from Lublin to Krakow, to better understand the Polish-Jewish experience and the ways that Poles and Jews have deeply influenced each other. Come wrestle with the traumatic events of two world wars and the Nazis' final solution, and consider how and why so many ordinary Germans became willing accomplices in the murder of Poland's three million Jews. We will also discuss the existence of Hebrew Christian communities that were emerging before the war, and the contours of modern Jewish messianism, from Shabbatai Zvi to Theodore Herzl. This study tour is designed to help us better our prayer life, sharpen our stand against anti-Semitism, and hopefully give us more courage to be faithful witnesses as Christians in our opposition against the idolatry and deceptions of our day. Join David August 6th through 17th, 2022 for this walk through history. Land cost is 1,749 euros, less than 1,900 U.S. dollars. For details and to register, visit narrowbridgetour.com. Narrowbridgetour.com. Brothers and sisters, friends, it's great to have everybody here for our next Bible study at Christ Church Jerusalem. We are in the uh, hopefully the latter stages of Leviticus chapter 20. Uh, it's great to be able to be with friends, family, people from across the world, from many different cultures, uh, tribes, and uh, in some cases, even tongues. That's right. We've been listening to the Scottish speak, and uh, what a, an amazing tongue that is. And uh, we delight that the Holy Spirit unites us all together. We acknowledge his presence. We will do so in prayer. Vida, would you pray us in? Abba, Father, we come before you this beautiful day. And Father, we just ask you as we listen to your word and as we wrestle with the scriptures, as Aaron says, Lord, you would just be with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Prepare our hearts, enlarge them to receive your word, Lord, and to understand what it is you're saying to each one of us, those listening, those that are partaking in this study. Father, we just pray that you would bless Aaron with an anointing through your spirit to guide us and to teach us. And Lord, just be with us and bless us as we hear your word and to grow closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for that. All right. Um, I felt really good about myself yesterday in the effect that as I was going through the summary, I managed to get it on one page, um, and which, was, which was great. So it's, it is a bit rushed, but it's in one page. So going over our summary from last week, when God created, which was verses six to nine, when God created the universe, he made things in couples, heaven and earth, night and day, male and female, and one cannot understand the other without the other. 
Each is in a relationship with the other. And there is a thin line of separation between heaven and earth. Angels appear instantly to Daniel after his prayer, indicating the distance between realms is not far to travel. And since time immemorial, there has been a strong attraction and a desire to know the future from the other side. The fall of man in Genesis occurred following the belief in a lie. What was the lie? To be like God was the serpent's promise. And yet Adam and Eve were already made in the image of God. Yet the desire is for more forbidden knowledge. Moses warns the community against seeking such knowledge from familiar spirits called the avot in Hebrew or the fathers and wizards from the root word to know. Why do we seek after such knowledge? In our discussion, we brought up issues like lack of trust, a lack of confidence, a lack of assurance in God and in ourselves, in our personal situations and in the often bleak world future of pandemics, cultural, financial crashes, and climate change. These all contribute to our desire to seek answers to current problems from impure sources. God is holy, and as part of our relationship with him, we are called to walk in holiness. Holiness has an element of partnership. God calls the Sabbath holy and commands us to guard and keep the Sabbath holy. God's name is holy. We are commanded to guard and keep the name of God holy. God makes us holy and then commands us to keep ourselves holy. Seeking profane wisdom is not a holy undertaking and can lead to separation from God, who truly values and desires our relationship. Thus, in this specific passage in Leviticus, the punishment from ignoring the holiness code and turning to mediums comes from the Lord himself. He sets his face against us. Now, nothing should be more terrifying other than hearing the words, I never knew you. And in a similar warning, Paul the Apostle admonishes the Corinthians to remember that they are temples of the Holy Spirit and that the God of the Spirit of God dwells within them. Should they defile the temple of God, which is holy, then the Lord God will destroy them. Very similar thought. Holiness is a process like sanctification. Obedience is part of the process, but it is not the sole part of the process. We are sanctified by the Lord, but we are then called to maintain our sanctity. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but who is also given to those who obey in Acts 5. God initiates the work in us, but He does not force Himself nor His kingship upon us. He works through our own cooperating effort and relationship of free will. And we should never underestimate the importance of the call to holiness. As the writer of Hebrews says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. God then instructs the Israelites that the most important people to act in holiness towards is your parents. Honoring parents is the commandment that comes with a blessing of long days. Those days could be shortened through the death penalty, which is enacted to those who curse their mother and father. Now, this is not simply saying something bad about one's parents, but rather it refers to something deeply settled in the heart and spirit of children against their parents. 
intergenerational conflict was, is to be avoided amongst the people of God. Instead of berating the older generation, we should be engaging and learning from their wisdom and experience. Instead of avoiding the young, we should be sharing, coaching, guiding, and teaching them. Using the Jewish exegetical argument of Kalvachomer, that's lighter to the heavier, we note that if you don't obey your earthly father, then how much less will you obey your heavenly father? And so we continue in our quest to walk out holiness in Leviticus 20. Now, I won't read it just like we did last week. I won't go through uh, this um, plethora of sins. We have read it before. And for those that really need um, a refresher, you can stop the tape and, and have a little look. But from verses 10 to 21, it lists a series of punishments for sexual immorality. Most of these sexual sins have been uh, mentioned before in Leviticus 18. We don't do this. Now here in, in Leviticus 20, you get uh, the, the addition of this is what happens if you actually do that. You get this list of um, punishments. Uh, often <clears throat> it re results in the death penalty. It uh, seems very apparent that sexual immorality seems rather um, high up on God's uh, list of how the humans should not behave and how the people of God cannot reflect his holiness towards the, the other nations. So if we are all 100% truthful, you will all acknowledge that sexual immorality has not fled uh, the church or the secular world. In fact, sometimes, unfortunately, we still seem to be exactly the same. It's a bit of a shame. So we also acknowledge, I think, that in Acts 15, at the Council of Jerusalem, when uh, James is writing to the Gentiles to say, hey, brothers, you are welcome into the people of God. However, we do require uh, a small bit of halakha from you. One of those things is stay away from sexual immorality. doesn't say how, he just says stop it. Um, uh, you might want to ask, well, what does that actually mean to stop sexual immorality if he doesn't actually explain it? But we will, that's for another day. So here's the question and that we can start for, for now. As the people of God, we can't just say this is a, this is a, a, a commandment in Leviticus. It applies only to, to Jewish people, particularly those that were only entering the land of Israel. Got nothing to do with us as believers in the Lord Jesus. So um, we're done because Acts 15 has already told us, no, we're a part of this too. We cannot uh, engage in this. Okay, so here's the question. How do you stop sexual immorality? Is it through the creation of laws, spiritual laws, natural laws, if you happen to be in control of the government? Uh, or is it something else? Okay, friends, let's wrestle with that. How can we, as the people of God, get ourselves sexually pure? A couple of hands raised. Fantastic. Let's start with Sharon from Canada. 
Hi, guys. Yeah, I think the key is to know God. Eh? So with the more time that you spend with God, the more he empowers you to be holy and to follow out his commands. And then I think what happens, too, is that, you know, he cleanses your heart, mind and soul from the corruptions in the world, you know, by spending time in his word and praying. I think that's a key. And just encouraging people, the more people know God, the more they'll turn away from these very, very popular perspectives now over in North America, especially. Okay, so the more time you spend in the Word, the more time you spend uh, with the Lord Himself, the more likely you are to avoid these things. Okay, now what is it that um, would make you do that? Is it just a better relationship, or what? What, what else is it? Is it? Is it because you're reading something? Because you're feeling something? Because you're hearing something? What is it, Sharon? Any idea? I think, yeah, like all of those things. I think God brings you to the point where you come to the end of yourself and then you go, oh, I need God to contain the appetites that are within each one of us. And so otherwise, and, and also remembering the concept that you can never satisfy the flesh, right? So if you can never satisfy the flesh, why try to keep satisfying it, keep, you know, pandering to it? It changes every five minutes, every half hour, depending on the day. And, and I think I think the reality of life drives you to your knees and to God. All right. Thanks, Sharon. Um, David or Ovida, you're next. For me, I think obviously we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us now, but ultimately it's the fear of the Lord that we know the outcome of those that do wrong. God is just and God is perfect. And he He really does make it clear that, you know, the, the hormone hormongers and the you know the profane will be cast out and i think a part of it is for me is that fear of god that okay. she stops you and keeps you in check but we do it through the holy spirit with his desire right because like the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom so you fear the lord and that one of the beginning of wisdom is well he doesn't like this <laughs> maybe i shouldn't do it and we have that new heart as well now in us that wants to do what's right yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, I was before this study. Um, I was with studying with uh, some guys of the Church of North India, and um, they were wrestling with it's a short passage from Romans, Romans uh, seven, where Paul was saying, "You know, I keep doing the things I don't want to do." Well, what a woeful man am I? He and and he made this interesting statement in, in Romans. He says, "Inside." I love God's law. Outside, I hate it. You know, I just can't follow it. What, what, what a clash I've got in my heart. I know this is the right thing to do. And, uh, and so he, he, uh, he, he really is wrestling with his heart on this, this issue. Okay, hand raised there from our brothers and sisters. Uh, brothers, not brothers and sisters. Oops, that was wrong. Brothers in Jerusalem. Okay, Mordecai and Dan. Yes, I think one of the ways is found in the book of Galatians 5. Galatians 5? Yes, because uh, immorality is a fruit of the flesh. Okay. A desire of the flesh. And in, five, uh, in Galatians 5.16, it says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So many times I think it's not so much of denying it, because I remember when I was, you know, I was addicted to pornography and things like that. When I tried to resist it myself. It would not work. But the moment I tried to actually submit to God and walk by the Spirit, it brought freedom. So I think in many ways it's 
walking by the Spirit, walking with God, dying to self daily, putting your mind on the things that are above and continuing like that. And then it's pretty much effortless. Of course, sometimes you got to resist the temptations and continually submit to God. But I think it's um, found in walking by the Spirit. Because it says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of God. Yes. And so what I want to do is unpack, because here's the problem when I talk to people and say, just walk by the Spirit. They go, well, how do I do that? Like, what? what yeah. And it's like, uh-uh. And, and that's what I want to wrestle with. Like, exactly what you just said. Walk by the Spirit. Yeah. That's halakha, right? Walk. Halakha. Lecha, lech. uh, how, how do I do that? Um, and uh, do, I, do I create laws? Because, you know, if we actually go to Russia, guess what's illegal in Russia to this day? Homosexuality, right? You know, we, we often, you know, it, it, Russia's evil. It's horrible. It's bombing Ukraine. True. Okay. Morality, their actual laws are a little different, which is interesting. Why is it that this evil nation can somehow say this is bad, but our free nation, which is all well and good and absolutely fantastic, <laughs> seems to seems to accept everything. So we we have to keep everything in perspective. But I, I like that. Walk out, walk by the spirit, and you will be able to crush or control the desires of the flesh. Well, obviously, Paul in, in, in Romans, who's also writing Galatians, is also reflecting on this and he's still struggling, which is which is great to know. But um but uh but I'd like to just try and if we can. How can we um, how can we walk by the spirit? What does that look like? You know, how do we encourage each other to do that? How do we recognize when we're not doing that? So that I can go up to my brother and say, "Hey, brother, you know, I, I see the walk turn into a bit of a crawl there for a second. How can I how can I help?" Okay. Well, before we go on to that, I've got three hands. Maybe raised. he has an answer. Oh, he's got an answer. Go for it, Dan. Go for it. We have three hands. I don't know. He said maybe, but I can. I have just some thoughts I can share. You know, you know, Lester, someone said to do the will of God or to know the will of God, read the Bible. To do the will of God, do the Bible. <laughs> Who said that? Uh, Lester Summerall. Okay. You've heard of him. Uh, yep, yeah. So yep. I think many things, for example, if we read Matthew 5 to 7, that's like the law of Christ. Okay. I, think, I don't know. You know, it's a good question. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? I think for me, it's a lot about actually doing the, the Bible, doing the New Testament. Okay. Doing what, what's written in Matthew 5 to 7, keeping the law of Christ and continually walking, being spiritually minded, minded of being, uh, you know, acknowledging the presence of God in me right now, always at all times, and not doing anything of my own accord as much as it's possible. Of course, I'm a human being and I can fail, but continually try to, you know, ask God, what should I do in this situation? Or really second guess things that might be from the flesh. Read the word. See what the word says about every situation. Yeah. And yeah, walk by love. Become love. Yeah, okay. Know him. Uh, they said know him. You know, become love. And John says, First John says, impossible, pretty much it's impossible to know God and not become love. Pretty much. If we don't love, there's only one reason, because we don't know him. So we need to know him personally, not just know about him. I cannot even take this place of preaching or teaching, take the place of knowing him. I got to be with him and get to know him. So it's, it's a very complicated answer, but I think like maybe. No, sure. And I, and I want to keep trying to unpack it too, Dan, because um, okay, comment there in, in Andrew in the, in the chat. I'll read it out for our uh, listeners. It's a good question. 
Is the question posed to those caught up in the practice or to those supporting those in trouble? For the supporters, we need to remember that we are pilgrims traveling together through this challenging life together. So firstly, we need to show the sympathy. Absolutely. And that's a good question. When I do have a brother who comes up to me and says, you know, Aaron, I'm struggling with pornography. Uh, what do I do to help them in, more, in their immorality? Um, obviously, I can't simply say, go and be well, brother. <laughs> you know? um, uh, what is that actually? How do I help? And, and I'm going to, uh, to say that I've, I've had this challenge to me around the world. And this includes other fellow pastors, okay, who struggle with, say, things like pornography. And they say, well, you know, how, how, can I, how can I stop? I was like, yeah. And so that's a really good, good um, question. How do I practically walk out the spiritual life? And I like what you said, read and do, <laughs> you know, to quote our hero. Well, obviously, I don't simply want to say, oh, just, just read the Bible and do it. You'll be fine. Because obviously they are reading the Bible and they can't do it and they're in trouble. <laughs> so like, we have to keep, keep, keep wrestling with this. Okay. Um, who's next? Oh, Patty, you've got a hand raised. Patricia from, actually, where are you? Which country are you in? You're in America. Yep, Illinois. Illinois. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a personal, um, how this is all put into practice because it actually just happened to me last night. But I'm, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a fitness instructor, personal trainer, and all that good stuff. So <clears throat> a lot of the music that I list half that, that I play in the gym is secular music. Well, it's all secular. I can't play anything religious. And if you all know, uh, most of the music now is so explicit, it's horrible. So, so it's hard to even find an upbeat playlist to keep people moving. And back in the day, before I became born again, lyrics never bothered me. I mean, they could say all kinds of crazy stuff. And I, it, it was just going one out the other because I was just listening to the beat and I was just like, whatever. But that was the first thing I noticed when I became born again was I couldn't listen to that music anymore. It made me sick. Like I, I, I physically got sick inside. Like, the, like, it's like, I can't have the Holy Spirit inside of me and then listening to this poison. So that was the first thing I kind of got rid of in my life. But being in this industry, I still have to play music, right? Last night, <clears throat> I was teaching kickbox and I have a Muslim woman that comes to my classes too. It's a mother daughter and they wear the whole, they're, I don't know how they do it, how they're sweating and wearing all this clothes. Um, and the song <laughs> came on, it was by Pitbull. You guys know Pitbull. <laughs> he can be pretty explicit. <laughs> He's a Spanish guy, um, isn't he? Yeah, he's Cuban. I'm Cuban. Yeah, I really, you know, Pitbull's good, but you just got to find the clean version. Anyway, I must have not. Well, I think it was a clean version, but that what he was saying was really not clean. And I was, I mean, I'm in the middle of, of talking, teaching, punching a bag, whatever. And the song comes on and I'm listening. And all of a sudden, it, the light bulb went on like, oh, my gosh, this is not good. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, I have two Muslim women in here who already think we're derelicts, you know, who already think. American people are just horrible, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is even worse because I'm like, they're, I'm just telling them, yes, you know, I'm, so I'm like, I immediately like switched the song, like right in the middle class. I just, and it, it's just crazy how I never would have even thought about that before. And now it's so like, I'm so sensitive to it. And I, you know, and it's true. You have to walk 
you, you have to have be, have the spirit in you for him to guide you to know that when these things come up, you have the 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 willpower to say no. And it does it is it is amazing. I mean, you can put it into practice all the time, you know. So that's just my personal. Experience. Oh, great! Thank you very much. Okay, uh, two more hand reins, one from Scotland, one from England. Uh, we'll go with Scotland first. Well, uh, after that, that was really interesting about the music because I find that difficult sometimes. Um, my point was a, a little bit different. What I was saying, what I think is that those of us who have the faith, who believe in um, walking with the Lord, it's important that we can lead by example and those who would oppose that, there is evil around every corner in this world at the moment. And this is what I see. And, and I would say that what we need to do is lead our children, protect our children, teach our children well, raise them in um, the spirit of the Lord so that they recognize that there are adults who um, make a point of um, attracting children or be, they are attracted to children. There is perversion at, around every doorstep. It's the evil that I see. Um, and they're vulnerable. And a lot of people are vulnerable to, be, to being led into these kind of things. I, I don't know about any other country, but we have children being taught how to deal with, the idea is that they're being taught about pornography actually to teach about it they're showing it it's like how can people think in this terrible way that, that our children are precious anyway i'm not i'm not particularly um going in a straight line with this that's okay kate we i but got there the is, uh... there is there is what i'm think i'm saying is that there's a recruitment parade going on for the the evil one to bring people into his way of living and we need to be prepared to stand up to that you know, we are the we are the ones, if we like, that need to keep shining that light. Doesn't matter how hard it is. Yeah, and that's the question. How do we do that? So, what one of the things that you suggested was the element of mentoring, then yes. the opportunity to lead by example, yes. to constantly teach. That there has to be, in, as part of our shining the light, it has to be reflecting on to the next generation. Yes. It can't that's, just be, yes. I'm doing okay, I'm maintaining my own uh, morality and having no effect on anybody else. Um, uh, we haven't yet gotten into the idea of, but can we as a government actually pass laws? And if we, if we do have a government, should we pass laws? So that can become a very interesting discussion, but we'll see because we, uh, we are, as a people, still called to holiness. Now, God is passing laws. Let's all be clear here, right? He's setting up a nation, and one of those laws is sexual, immor uh, sexual morality laws. Okay, so uh, we'll go um, Vida or David, and uh, who are um, South Africans living in England. Then why should you go to South Africa? There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm from Zimbabwe. Oh, Zimbabwe, is... mate. Sorry. Rhodesia, sorry. <laughs> okay. I, I, from, my, from my perspective, what I was thinking about is it, it begins in your work. Uh, let, let's begin with the idea that we are saved and we are being saved. 
This is a process. It's, it's, it's a walkthrough. You, you, you cannot. It's not a quick fix. So we walk, uh, as Daniel said, according to the power of the Holy Spirit. But in that walk, we need the community. We need, uh, when, when, a, when a brother starts failing, we need the community to lift up that brother, to walk that brother through. And, and this fix only comes after a period of time. So I think that this goes to a lot to spiritual formation and discipleship, because to understand what it is to be a Christian, to understand what it is, what, what God has done, what the Lord has done, what it is to walk, and how do we practice that spiritual formation? How do we practice? You know, it, it's all very well just saying, read the Bible and do the Bible, right? But how do you practice that? How do you put that into effect? You need the community and the elders, etc., to teach you how to, 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 to disciple and when you start feeling weak, it's the community picks you up and carries you through. And, and, and I think uh, somebody mentioned a mentorship thing, but actually this goes down to discipleship. I like it. So it's a process of salvation, no quick fix. It's a walk, as, as Dan suggested, you walk in the spirit to crush the flesh. Obviously, it's not something that we can learn instantly. Um, and and so uh, we 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 will fail, but when we do, one of the joys is or pleasures is that we fail in community. If we've got a good strong community around us, we can pick ourselves up, and uh, in sympathy, not in condemnation, not in judgment, but actually in love, and then uh, continuing. And uh, yep, so there's a lot of interesting little questions, and and still touches on. I haven't said it yet, but we will. I know still touches on, can then a secular government, should a secular government then now impose moral laws? And when it doesn't, what do we as a church community say or do? Um, now, I don't want our silence to be an affirmation, but we should uh, just remember where we are in terms of the kingdom of heaven. Um, so, Andrew, from South Africa, you've got a hand raised. You're ready to make a comment? Yeah, I've got a dog who's going to interrupt as well, so we'll try and keep them quiet. Uh, I actually want to canvas some opinion and raise a practical example. Uh, we have a friend, a Christian friend, who's been invited to a gay wedding, and we think it's probably going to be a church-sponsored uh, gay wedding. And she's come to us, and she's a little indebted to these friends, actually, uh, and they've been very good to her over many years. She's now been invited to this wedding and she's come to us saying, how should she respond? Should she accept or should she not accept the invitation? So we, we're not the ones who've had the invitation. It's our friend who's had the invitation. She's very indebted to them. She wants to continue supporting her friends, yet her friend, friend's son is about to embark on a gay uh, marriage. I know what my response would be, but it's... Now we're the sort of third party, and how do we support her in her response to the invitation? Um, so I, I, I pose the question, um, and, and maybe the responses might help us in answering your original question, Aaron. Yeah. I think the same. I think the, I think you would just take the same approach, you guys, that you would take to anything. Like, so if someone came up to you and said, "Okay, I'm going to steal from a local bank next week," or "I'm going to murder my neighbor," 
what would your response be? And, and you, you just have to hold the line and be honest and not be swayed by like local opinion, like more current opinion that like Rocky nailed it on the chat that you can't legislate morality. So as Christians, we have a personal responsibility to say what is the truth and lovingly share that and, 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 and require it. You know, like, I think that's your, that's our personal responsibility. Like God wasn't soft on sin. He never was. Okay. Yep. So you can't legislate morality, but you should still say the truth. So if you can't legislate morality, what is the book of Leviticus? <laughs> it's in the context of a theocracy, though, right, Aaron? Ah, like, okay. <laughs> we don't have one. We so have a democracy. We happen to have a Christian government. Does that mean we are allowed to now make Christian laws? No, not, I mean, not in a democracy. Like, our society doesn't so you as a church i think you can say what's good and true and right and then people choose right i don't know good luck with that no <laughs> good luck but this this is the discussion and um i think it's uh, i think what, what what we're all touching on also is that the world is going to you know as they say hell in a handbasket okay um so what should be the the the, the people of god's response well, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, I had my hand up for a little bit. But the thing okay. is, it's Romans 12 was my comment just with, in response to your previous question too. But Rocky had such a good comment about the law. That's why I wanted to share it. But I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So with respect to pornography or what, you know, Christians as people of, of God that are shining forth God's light in in a crooked and perverse generation, I think our key is that we renew our mind as, as um, Madi's friend was saying, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Daniel, uh, Dan, sorry. Dan, hi Dan, sorry. But anyways, we just, re by renewing your mind, you know, I tend to be kind of, you know, dry, here's the answer, but the concept is still there that works. The more you renew your mind and fill your mind with truth and replace the lies and then not have downtime too, like not, you know, be sitting around in a dark room with, you know, et cetera. Like uh, there's ways that you can set up your life so that you can avoid sin. What do you think, Nama? <laughs> oh, I've gone on to Nama. That's because she's uh, writing stuff in the chat, like a lot. Of Come on. Stuff. Well, I agree with Rocky. I love Rocky's comments and um, I agree with what you said. And yeah, I think it's it's exactly on. Um, I don't know exactly what 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 uh, uh, answer you want. What question you want me to answer? But I'd say that I think it sits on an addiction, and we need to work with people just as if. Um, and first of all, I mean, I think we need to work from the heart, like everything with the work of the Lord, and like identify because we we all fight with addiction. This world is addicted. Okay. And um, whenever we fight and, you know, to keep focus on God and actually not to be influenced and impacted from the things of the world, we actually fight addiction. And that's a, a good example for anybody who's fighting any kind of addiction. The, the, the only difference is that we know the Lord and they don't know yet. So it's just sharing the gospel as anything else. Um, yeah. So it's like anything in the world. It takes heart to walk with God. Yeah, and we have a female perspective, but I think it's a different thing for males and females. So I think you have to make that distinction too. I'm not sure where you guys are at. So good luck. That's fine. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Amen. <clears throat> yep. I think that what, we, what we're addressing or what we're looking at is 
how do we, as the people of God, live by a code, right? And what is that code? That code is holiness. Yes, we have the Spirit of God, absolutely. We also have the Torah of God, remember, written on our hearts. That's what Jeremiah 31 said. Um, so we have to be a light to the world, even when we're not in charge of the world, especially when we're not in charge of the world. And, uh, and so for our brother Andrew in South Africa, um, <clears throat> I think one of the things we have to encourage him with is to say, okay, brother, somehow you've got to continue to be a light to your little, little uh, community. And that includes this lady who's come for advice. How can you suggest to her that as the people of God, we continue to live by a code and that code is holiness? Um, it's a tough one. Oh, my gosh. That's what we've got to wrestle with because we've been called both here in Leviticus, and remember, it's a calling, and in Acts 15 uh, and in the subsequent epistles by Paul, that as a people, we continue to be holy. Okay, David or Vida, hand raised. Then I'm going to Linda and then to uh, our uh, rabbi friends in Jerusalem. Aaron, it's, it's this. First of all, the secular cannot decide moral law. They cannot okay. decide what is right because they have no basis on anything to base it on, right? Right. And for, for, for example, liberal progressivism, right, and all this, the trouble with that is they have no bounds. There are no boundaries. So everything comes along, they change it, they change it, they change it, right? When we talk about what controls us, we have to have the Lord God's law. Uh, which is now written in our, in our hearts, right? So we are bound according to what the Lord God tells us, right? Right on. And we, we, are, we are switched into those bounds so we know right from wrong. If we look at the Old Testament very, very strongly, the Lord God judges the leader by how they rule the nation, the mm -hmm. government, whatever it is, by how they do, do the nation, and the people, what they do in the land and what they do in the nation, right? We have got this idea that, that democracy, that liberalism, all this is the way to rule, right? And that's where we make a mistake. We're starting to make our own moral laws based on what? You can't have anything like that. Right. And, and, and so when it comes to a decision, like, uh, for example, I, I know Andrew's decision is, Andrew's dilemma is it's quite, it's, a, it's, it's, it's hard to get through. But for example, what if we saw two people separate and uh, married to people, and they got married again. Would you go to that person's wedding again, knowing that according to the words of Lord Jesus, they Christian. are committing adultery and they're Christian? Well, well, then you just ask yourself, whose opinion is more important to you, God's or a human? Exactly, exactly. So that's what you have to do. You have to take the moral high ground here. So okay. Because if you're going to set an example, you walk as Lord Jesus did. It's a very difficult thing because your heart is going to be pulled every which way but loose. Yep. No, you're right. Absolutely. We, we are in. At, this is one of the, the where the rubber meets the road. Because sexual yeah. immorality is so prevalent in our communities, it doesn't matter which one you pick. Pick any nation on the planet, bar Antarctica, because no one lives there. Um, we're all struggling. Right? And, uh, and yet, so here's the opportunity for the people of God to actually begin to shine some light and say, well, we're kind of different. But Aaron, doesn't it come in in the in the one fact, if you, if you just take that, let's say this lady goes to this homosexual wedding okay. or, or, or whatever's immoral, doing something that you know is against the rule of God, and you're a Christian, 
Yep. Other Christians who may be weak, as Paul says, may see you doing that as and think you're condoning it. Right, of so course. So you yeah. have to really do everything that you can do in righteousness, in honor. And Paul also says, I think he says to one of the churches, to the elect lady, if you receive these people into your home that preach another gospel, people are good. You don't even give them, send them Godspeed because you condone, you, you, you actually saying it's okay what they're doing. And with just by being there, you, you're approving it. The yes. sign is approval. And so this yeah. is where we have to, we are hated by the world. And, and, fortunately, and unfortunately in the West, we have diluted that. And we, we, right. we, we, we make an excuse for it. We, we come up with some kind of idea Love. that it's okay to do this stuff. And, you know, we bypass what the Lord has told us to do. So it's a hard, hard it, thing. It's a very difficult thing because in, in, in effect, we are trying to please the world more than the Lord. That's exactly right. And it's not that hard in a way if you say, oh, it's the same as murder. It, it, it's unacceptable to God. Like, do you guys have any heart? If your neighbor said to you, I'm going to murder my next door neighbor because they're really irritating me, you guys would have a hard time <laughs> saying, don't do that. Like, what's the difference? Like, you have to put it back in God's perspective, not be brought into society's values and say, oh, 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 could you, could you, could you with sin? And the truth is, it depends what your neighbor's like. All right. Okay. Going off to Linda from Scotland. Dad, to Andrew's question, I'm just thinking, you know, like the, the friends that I had that were gay, they, they knew, um, I, I told you before about the one that really wanted to come to church. And I told them he, I would love him to come to church with me. And in, in the end, he kind of said no, because I know I would have to change. And, and they got married. And they, but they knew my views on, you know, we were very close. I love these guys, still do. And they knew what my views were, and they knew that my vicar at the time wouldn't have wouldn't have married them either because he, you know what he didn't agree with that. And, and you know, I think if you've got a friend, however close you are to, you, especially if you're really close to them, they would surely know what your thoughts and your views are about your faith and about what you believe in. You know, and because the close relation, the, the close relationship, of course, they'll invite you to the wedding. But I think the friend could speak to her friends and say, you know, I, I love you dearly, you know that, and I'm so grateful, you know, what you've done for me in my life, but but you, you know, you understand how I feel about this, and it's not that I'm against you personally, <laughs> but I but I can't condone what you're doing, because, you know, if, if these people are so close, they want her to be at the wedding, they obviously know her so well, so they, I would imagine they know what her thoughts and feelings are about yeah. that anyway. Yeah. Just, a Just a good thought. Okay, Moti or Dan, hand raised. Uh, it's me. <clears throat> Good evening, everybody. So I just wanted to answer to your question about keeping this moral law, like how should we do it as a community. If we go back to Leviticus, just beginning of Leviticus, before God gave Jewish people the Torah, he gave them a lot of commandments to distinguish them from the other nations, right? So if you go deeply, like what is the what is the reason for the commandment of Peos or Sitzit or many other like commandments about the appearance of a Jew are all about distinguishing him from other people. Again, what is the what is the reason for the law of Kashrut? Because a Jew, a religious Jew, wasn't and isn't still able to go and eat with Gentiles. Because how are you going to be friends if you don't eat the same food, if you don't go to the same restaurant, right? 
So there's these distinguishes. And even Jesus, in, I mean, I'm not sure if it was Jesus, we're talking about it. Who were the apostles? We're talking about oh, uh, being apart. Together? No, no, being apart from the generation. What was it? We're talking about it. Anyway, so there's a Bible verse about, yeah, about not mingling with the generation of this, this generation, something like that. I don't remember exactly. I'm not good with New Testament verses. But here's the thing. It doesn't mean we need to put ourselves in the shadows, like Jewish ghettos, and not talk with any, any other people. But at the same time, I think we need to stand with our faith, right? And try not to look good in their eyes all the time. So like we talk about homosexuality, right? So I don't agree with homosexuality, but it doesn't mean I have to judge them and not to talk with them. But when I talk with them, I shouldn't try to look good in their eyes, you know? We have to stand with what we believe. That's, that's how we should distinguish ourselves, like adore the faith we have and also help them to do the same by creating a good example. But at the same time, we, we, we cannot just, um, I, I don't want to say we cannot be friends with them. We have to be friends with them in order to help them, but there should be a balance. There should be a, a meeting point. You know what I mean? That's, that's how we can keep the, keep the code. Yeah. If you try to be like them all the time, or if you, oh, just once I do this, just once for them, so they may believe I like, or they just they may come to God. But you're not loving them by lying to them. Like you're not. That's not a loving thing to do. Why would what you compromise what God says? So like like you just said exactly what you just said. Yeah. I totally agree, Marty. That you're well, not. There, there are people who like that. Yeah. But the motive. The thing is, I think the question is, you have to distinguish: is the person you're talking to a believer? And if that person is a believer, you have to admonish them. If that person is not a believer, well, then we treat them in love and, and we're trying to get them from that sin to come to the Lord. We don't judge them. God says their judgment's his. No, if we don't judge them, but we also try not to be like them in order to gain their love. Exactly. But if they are a believer doing that thing, we have to admonish that person. So you have to distinguish this person doing the wrong. Firstly, do they call themselves a Christian? And depending on that is your response. Either you, you, you correct them and, and tell them they're wrong, or you come along and look and you, you love them and, and bring them to God. That's in my mind. Yes, the, the laws, the calling of Leviticus is to believers. Yeah, let, let's, just as what you're saying, um, Vida, and you're right, that um, here we got the people of Israel, they're stand, they've been standing before Mount Sinai, so they've actually seen everything that he's done. So they actually believe. And so it's to the believers, you actually got to act like this. At the same time, let's also remember what Moti is saying, that Israel is called to be a light to the nations. Not, they're not to hide this law. They're not to hide this teaching. They're actually to shine it and say, yeah, look, this is, actually, this is actually how we're supposed to live. What you're yeah, doing, not to crash heart. And that exact same theology throws throws flows through to the New Testament where, where uh, the Holy Spirit through James says, look, as the people of God, this is actually what you can't do. And, uh, you know, you really actually have to be different because, oh, my gosh, you're living there in Corinth. You guys are in real trouble. Um, you're, you're surrounded by immorality. You're surrounded by idol worship. And yet you've somehow got to keep yourself pure. And as Mordecai says, not by retreating and forming little ghettos within Corinth, but actually somehow being able to be in the community and saying, actually, I don't go to those temples anymore. I don't use those um, temple prostitutes. I actually 
have chosen a better diet now. I've chosen a, a more a holy way of living my life. Um, I've got a whole bunch of brand new friends whom I never thought I would have before. And boy, they're amazing. They're just like me. And um, and I think you should come for dinner because <laughs> yeah. you want you want to hear what what I've got to say. And um, I said, you know, you, you have to mingle with them. You have to talk with them because I, I grew up in this little Jewish ghetto in Berlin. And because in America, you are kind of the majority. You are all just with Jews, a lot of Jews and some little Hispanic guys. Uh, um, so in Germany, like they, we, we never talk with any other German. And, you know, because you're distinguished, you have to uh, be uh, far away from them. You never talk to them. When I was as a little kid, I used to ask a lot of questions, uh, which I still do. Uh, I asked my rabbi, like, as you said, I mean, we, we are supposed to be the light to the Gentiles. They ask a lot of questions. So how are we going to be the light? So like, no, you don't need to talk with them. You just live as a good Jew in your little title. You keep the Torah, you keep the Shabbat, and you're creating a great example. They see God in you. Yeah. Well, but God asks me to do it. He says, no, let's let God deal with it. We just live as he commanded us to live, but we don't have to go and tell them that what they are doing is wrong. They will realize it. If they don't realize it, it's God's problem, not my problem. But it's written that you have to be the light. God already gave you the light. So you are the light now. You don't need anybody to turn it on or off. But they still live like that, unfortunately. Right. So there should be a balance, you know, a balance. So sensitive. But yeah. Right on, right on. And you don't have to apologize for being straight. I mean, that's the impression you get sometimes from some of the media. And in fact, this lifestyle and the life that we have is is the best option, even statistically, right? So they're, uh, you know, this lifestyle that they're talking about, for example, choosing a homosexual lifestyle is not choosing a better lifestyle either. So there's, you know, there's statistics in, in our favor as well. So you never have to apologize for truth. Sure. And if as you never Mordecai share the truth, that's the problem. You know, if you don't share the truth, if you see someone is doing wrong, you got to go and tell him in love, of course. But if you distinguish yourself a lot or more than you are supposed to, then you are you. Like you're an Orthodox student. You're living in a shtadl and you don't even do something good for yourself because you're not sharing the light with others. I mean, I, I can say that. I know it sounds a bit sharp to some of you guys, but I, as a guy who grew up in that culture, it wasn't fruitful for any sides, you know, like both sides suffered from it. Because you know how uh, collapsed Berlin culture is, you know, like everything is free, you can smoke weed, you can be whatever you want to be, but living in Kudam doesn't keep you holy, you know. <laughs> and Mordecai, in relation to your, we have to have the balance, uh, Vitek, our brother from Czech, uh, brought a uh, verse from Jude. And it has a, a quite a little bit of, bit of balance here. It says, uh, and have mercy on those who doubt. That's nice. If they're struggling, yeah. just be patient and, and, and mercy. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Save them. Share the gospel. Speak. You know, bring, bring the light. Have, to others, show mercy with fear. That's interesting. And, and hate even the garment stained by the flesh. So there is this idea of, of uh, actually fleeing immorality. This idea of actually, you know, there's a there's a part of um. Look, I can't be associated with this. This is really not. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna stain me if I even stay here. I don't hate you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't actually be around this right now, and um and that's actually a very brave thing to say. Mm-hmm. I think for most of us, gee, wouldn't it be nice if our children came home early from a party, and they said, "I was with my friends, 
but I couldn't stay there because it, it was it was making me feel really really dirty and you say wow well done I'm so proud of you well done and uh, I'm going to go talk to their mum and dad now but anyway you're done you're doing great <laughs> so all right and I think in all of this to move on from these um uh the, the theme to look at verse 22 okay because as we finish towards the end of the chapter God begins to get practical you know this one of those things that I was talking about can we actually mandate laws for for immorality and what is uh and what does the lord say he says you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and you'll do them well that's exactly what dan said read and do read the bible and do the bible okay that's not works righteousness that's reading and doing and very different things okay you'll keep my statutes and all my rules and the land where i'm bringing you that you may live will not vomit you out there's a interesting connection where morality now actually infects and and has an effect on the very earth itself which when god made was good and sometimes i think we we sometimes don't contemplate uh that effect that our sins have on the planet uh that uh, that there, there is this reaction uh with the world okay moti or dan you got a hand raised so actually related to a previous topic we talked about you know when people when there is homosexuality involved or any kind of sin like that we have to also remember that the holy spirit is almighty and can change you know there's i've seen a transgender woman turn into a man there was a demon cast out of this woman and she actually after that she received freedom so in, there is also this aspect right now where demonic spirits unclean spirits can actually put these thoughts in you that you just lose your identity uh and we need to also be bold enough to cast those spirits out to involve God in prayer not just in talk you know oh that's not good it's not going to help anyone they cannot renew their mind in that kind of situation they need freedom they need deliverance so in some situations we do need to renew our mind but in some situations we just got to cast those spirits out um so i think it's also a good point to know because i've seen it i've seen it firsthand yes we can't always be on the defensive there is a time where the kingdom of heaven does need uh to to expand and i think most of us know of testimonies of people who were in the realm of homosexuality and after coming to faith they've had they get dramatic uh life changing experiences and we, at Christchurch we even had uh one gentleman who ended up getting married and having kids and uh having a really good testimony to say look this is uh this is um what happened in in my life and uh so therefore that that's a that should be we can be encouraged by those sorts of stories amongst our brothers and sisters okay andrew uh from south africa yeah so i just wanted to follow up on on my, the question i was posing and the interaction we had with this friend who's had the invitation we said to her look we understand this is an extremely difficult uh challenge for you to face uh with your head you know that it's wrong but with your heart you want to support your friends uh and we went through some of the the call to be holy and the issues that we've been discussing uh in Leviticus and she understood and appreciated all all of that so we said look we can't really give you tell you what to do but 
you know how we feel about it. What we suggest is you go to your friend and discuss the invitation. Don't just simply decline it because you, you say this is a wrong practice, but rather go to them, discuss your feelings about it, and tell them that you do want to support them as friends, but that in this circumstance, regrettably, she probably has to decline the invitation. So I thought I would just complete our, our side of our response to the question. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Andrew. Looking at the, uh, the, the text, with all of what we're wrestling with, what we find now is that actually to a community of believers, you do legislate rules, right? And so you shall be holy, keep my statutes and my rules. This is to a group of believers. And so to a community of believers, us, that's us as the holy people of God and, and embracing the calling, we then say, okay, Lord, there's um, some, some boundaries on human sexuality. We willingly acknowledge these boundaries which you give us. We will walk them out by your spirit. And somehow this will affect even the ground itself. And, uh, and so because it also affects the ground, then, you know, obviously there's a burden on us to want to affect all of the earth. So hopefully we'll also have another little impetus to go out and share the gospel so that uh, we make the entire world actually also a better place, not just the humans on it, but the ground itself. Uh, the, the Lord warns us against um, the other nations where he says, you shall not walk in the customs of the nations that I'm driving you out before you because they did all these things and I detested them. So God gives a little bit of his own personal hardiness. Okay? It's not often that he does that, but when he does, it's usually quite, quite big and profound. He says, look, this is something I found abhorrent. And I'm God, by the way. You know, this is a, this is a, this was something the humans did, which I found quite, quite disgusting. But I've said to you, and now he goes back to his people, to his his holy people. He says, "You're going to inherit their land, and I'll give it to you as a possession, a land of flowing milk and honey." This this nice designation that the land of Israel has, very bounteous and um, and uh, sweet. And uh, I am the Lord your God, who separated you from amongst peoples, which is what Mordecai was saying. You know, there's this. We were meant to look and act differently. There was something about us that was supposed to be, oh, I know what those people are. Look at them. I can see them with my eyes, okay? Um, and uh, there's something. And so isn't it interesting? Something's got to be in us. We have to somehow, it's got to be visible to the other people as well. This idea of being separate, that we're, we're, um, we live in other nations, this is true. We are also called to be a holy people. And so there's this command. I've already done the separating. So God always does the first action. And he turns around and says, now you make sure you separate. And so you end up with Leviticus. Part of our calling is the distinguishing between the profane and the, and the holy. And he says, and you separate clean beasts, unclean, unclean birds from the clean. And uh, don't make yourself detestable, et cetera, et cetera. There's this, there's this calling for us to be able to distinguish. And we need to encourage each other to be distinguishing, including with sexual immorality. Not always, I'm not going to say it's easy. Oh, my gosh. Particularly when friendships are involved, work colleagues are involved, uh, you know, when, 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 when family relationships are involved. It all gets very complicated and horrible. But it's still a calling that we have to walk out. And uh, we need each other's support.
particularly when um, when the rubber hits the road and we don't always know what to say or do. Okay, Sharon, hand raised. Yeah, and I think the key to remember is that we're empowered by the spirit. Like it's not something that we do on our own own strength. And that's mm -hmm. the thing that sets us free, right? So it's not a, you know, like a shaming, shunning, you know, that kind of, what do you call that? The condemnation type perspective. It's a God is freeing us from, you know, addictions, as, as Nama says, and, and just in general, like any kind of temptation to do any kind of evil, you know, not just sexual sins, of course, but. Right. Yeah, the call to holiness isn't just in sex. Yes, of course. See, we're dealing with that bit here, but the, the idea of being able to distinguish is a part of our call. David or Vida from sunny England. Aaron, I was just thinking the, the Lord tells us that, uh, or actually through James, the Lord tells us that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Mm -hmm. so, and, and you often hear this expression that I've heard a lot of believers say this, that, you're so heavenly minded, spiritually minded that you know earthly good. But right. ultimately, we have to, if, if we are not heavenly minded, we cannot be earthly good. We cannot do earthly good. So we need to be heavenly minded to be effective on the earth. It's that balance that, we, that Mordecai has also talked about. It's yeah, exactly. So, so if, as, as Dan pointed out actually nicely right at the beginning, you have to be focused in on heaven. You, to be able to be effective on the earth to do the Lord's work, it's it's when we get involved with the nitty gritty on the on the in the in the world that perhaps that's where we start stumbling a bit. Mm -hmm. um, hand raised there by Mordecai. Yes, what you said, Leveren, was so true about when this friendships are like involved and family relationships are involved it's so difficult to stand with the truth right or just like to have the balance because you love them you love it happened to me you know with my sisters it happened to him and it happened to many 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 other too but we need friends like jesus you know he's a great example he was a good friend right and he said if you love me keep my commandments if we if we want like friends or family members, if they want them to be saved, of course we have, we have to do everything with love. Um, but we we need to be like him because he was a great friend and he loved us a lot. What did he say? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his for one's friend. So he was our friend. He laid his life for us, and he says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." Like we we always need to stand with God when it comes to friendship or family, uh, you know, when family members involved in standing with truth or like this distinguishes ourselves. Because my sisters, for example, I can share distinguish their kids from me for the sake of the Yiddish guy, to keep them holy or keep them uh, in a good path. I have to say, so I don't judge them because they think that's the right path. So by separating them from me who taught them how to read in Hebrew, by the way. And so they think they are doing something good. Of course, we don't need to do like that, but we should have the balance and stand with God and truth, with justice and love. Man, throwing a lot of good words in there. Justice, love, awesome. Okay, guys, I'm going to switch it back now for the next, uh, say, 10 minutes or so. On Because we had a great discussion on... The, on morality and sexual morality as the holy people of God and how we have to deal with it, how we have to uh, uh, relate to other people. What about as a government, which we haven't quite nailed down? Can we 
expect, should we expect the government to make laws on morality? What do you think, guys? Now, I'm not going to say that you, you have, we all have the answers because I, I don't think I do. But um, uh, what do you think? Can we, can we demand our governments pass these laws? Should we get upset when they change the laws? It will bring more peace to a society, right? The righteousness of a society blesses it, right? You know that proverb? I would agree with you, yes. So like, for example, I'll give a quick example, like DeSantis is really, you know, being proactive against just a Florida governor in one of the states and in, in, in putting in laws against, you know, bringing in these crazy storybooks into these, you know, kids' schools and things like that. Like, just your values, Christian values, if you're in a position of leadership, I think it's great, but it depends on who's in power or in charge, right? Well, let's be honest. Most of our governments will be secular, yes? So obviously they're not going to be picking up the Bible and be saying, well, I think I shall make some laws based on this book. Uh, that's just not what they're going to do. But um, what did you say, Roddy? You've got a hand raised? Go for it, mate. So if you go 40 or 50 years ago, I'm probably still in the book. So what Rocky said before is that you can't legislate morality. But actually, you'll find that in most states in the United States, they did. It's against the law to marry your first cousin. It's against the law to have sodomy. It's against the law to have sex with your sister. Many of these biblical statutes and rules are actually on the book. But just because they did it doesn't mean it has any effect on the people and that they stopped doing it. The Russian is correct in one respect, but many governments in the United States, state and federal governments, did try to do it at some point. Now they're, they're going in the exact 180 degree difference. Here's a small piece of um, historical background from uh, the, uh, that, that incredible, fantastic institution known as the Church of England. Okay, and CMJ. So one of the founders of CMJ was William Wilberforce. You've heard of him? And he lobbied against slavery, against child labour laws. And before he started the London Jew Society, which is what CMJ is today, he also started a society for cleaning up vice in, in England. Because in the 1700s, England was a very interesting place. Drug use was, was all over the place. It was perfectly legal to be taking drugs in the street. Immorality was everywhere, including pornography. Right? And, uh, and that's why streets were, were, had some very interesting names in England. Okay? Um, yes. So some streets are named after human body parts. And you think, now, why would that be? Okay, it's because those are the things you found there when you went there. Okay, um, I won't name them because we've got small children probably listening. Um, but uh, but they cleaned it up, and they did that through Parliament. So there is this, there is somewhere in 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 the society there is the ability to pass laws. But I will also agree with Rocky on this. Even though you pass legal laws you still have to have the right heart to obey them. So you can't just rely on laws to just make a society clean. And that includes the calling. 
right? The calling that God is placing on his people through Leviticus is to be taken as a nation, to be taken as communities, to be taken as families and heads of families, and it's to be taken as individuals, that each one of us needs to embrace the, the calling and walk, and then we walk together and that out as a group. And uh, uh, so, so it's a, it's a, on one hand, uh, we should lobby for holy laws, which I think somebody, uh, Andrew mentioned, we should lobby for holy laws. Absolutely. But obviously, just because we have passed a holy law doesn't mean we can sit around and go, ha-ha, now we have, you know, solved all the world's problems and uh, all is good with the world. We need to then make sure that uh, we continue to help people to willingly uh, embrace the call to walk that out. Um, two more hands raised. I've got Vida, Vida or David. So Erin, I was just going to say, from my perspective, is we are sojourners in this world. Okay. No government ever is going to be perfect. And even if you have a good government, they're still going to do wrong things and the people won't always obey. And ultimately, we have to just keep our eyes on the Lord's kingdom. We have to set that example. And I think it's 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people, not the world, if they, the, the people of God, humble themselves, then God will heal that land. It's not up to the non-believers. It's up to the believers. And the problem is that we as believers have become so corrupt and so weak and so complacent and so um, compromising in, these, in the West, especially in the West, that we've, we've done this. The nations are in this state because of a lot of what we've done. And yes, as Christians, we lobby against things that are wrong. We, we stand up against things that are wrong. We stand for truth. But this is not our kingdom, ultimately. May I add something to that? Erin, there's two questions I ask with regard to this. And uh, is the Bible, the, the word of the Lord tells us that we need to obey governments and councils and things like that. Secondly, we're talking about this idea of laws that we've got to do this willingly, willingly. I, I love what Rocky says. but there's another aspect to this. When I look at Leviticus, things like this, there's a sense that it's enforced, right? So by the people. By the people. So surely there's, there's an aspect of this that, that needs to be enforced if we are to keep moral laws. Right. No, yes, of course. So even if a secular government passed a law and someone broke the law, there would be enforcement, which would be you would assume that um, the, the, the government has also got a law enforcement division, police, you know, those kinds of things, judicial system. So, yes, the Bible dictates punishments for transgressions of the law, as does every normal secular society too. So there is an enforcement code, but in terms of, well, what I meant by embracing the law, eventually a, a real believer can't just walk out a law He's also got to embrace it within his heart. There's this sort of bit of both, that holiness becomes something that you do, but also something that you believe. Right. And just one quick comment that relates to that, Aaron, is that, yeah, people can't live together in harmony unless they agree on the same moral code. So it, it applies in a, in a schoolroom, like in a, in a classroom. It applies in a, in a community, in a, in a nation. If you don't agree on the morality that you're going to live under, the laws, then you can you know, implement all the ones you want, but this is not going to work. So as long as everybody's in agreement that, yeah, okay, these are the laws and these are the ones that we're going to abide by, then we can live in harmony. But unless every individual agrees to live morally, you're not going to have a moral society. So it's up to every single individual too, right? Right. 
Yes. And as we've all been obviously reflecting, none of us are going to ever say that we've got a 100% moral society. However, um, that is something that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue such a society. And I like what the verse that Vida uh, presented because it reminded me of our connection to the land. If my people repent, return to me, I will heal what? I'll heal the land. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't turn around and say, oh, I'll heal their hearts, you know, I'll heal their broken families. Um, and it's like, wow, there's that connection again, which you see in Leviticus, which you see in the prophets, and hopefully we also see in, in the, the final continuation of Revelation when we renew heaven and earth itself. Jesus knows we're all sinners. He knows we are Correct. all sinners. Yes. So we and hang out with us anyway. <laughs> everyone, yeah, it's, everyone is a sinner, but yeah. we can all change we can all stop yeah and repent let's encourage each other to definitely do that linda from scotland yeah going back to the you know the governments and passing laws and things you know i think vida said that you know we stand up for the you know we say what we think and we tell the government what we think but but apparently christians are the worst believers are the worst of, of contacting the governments and you know, we, we need to be more proactive, really. And, and, you know, it's all very well see I'm praying for my government to make the right, pass the right laws and stuff. But we actually need to contact. They need to know what we are thinking, what Christians are thinking. They know what the world thinks because they're bombarded with it. But, but Christians don't often tell them. We need to be contacting their MPs, MSPs or whatever and, and, and letting them know what our views are on certain things and so that they'll actually act on it. Because apparently if, if they get... If they get so many letters, I think something like 12 letters or something from, from the constituents, they have to actually do something about it. So that's not a lot. That's not a lot. You know, we need to be acting a bit. We, we, do, have laws. we, we do have laws about morality. We have laws about certain workers who um, work on streets. Um, I don't know how that affects our everyday lives if we're not using their street workers, but those people who do that, it's, it's the people who are committing the sin. Are they the girls who are doing or offering the services or are they the girls or are they the people who are taking the services up? I don't know. And that's what I'm saying. We are all sinners in a, in a different way. So we, you know, we have to, we have to be careful about judging. I think yeah. I do. I find this hard. No, I think we, we're all wrestling with it. Yeah, we do need to let the government know though that that certain things are unaccept certain um, standards of behaviour are unacceptable. We're all wrestling with it, but it's a great calling to live as a holy people. It's an incredible, powerful calling. Uh, I'm going to move on to Canada to uh, Janet. Um, yeah, I just was sort of responding to this. You know, um, partly what Marty says is looking different. I mean, I th I think basically in our countries now. Um, there, there was previously, you know, a few generations ago, people, you know, agreed that certain things weren't, weren't good for our society, they weren't good for the family. And now things being so generally accepted, we're, we're starting to look more and more different as people, and we can expect that. Um, and there, there's a real inconsistency in our laws, for instance, um, now that we legalized homosexuality in Vancouver, in, in Canada, it used to be a used to be a, a criminal offense. It no longer is. It's very difficult for then the country to go back and re-legislate uh, something that's already been approved. 
but whereas we would have there's still a law against polygamy and um that's been that's been sort of a a gray sort of area because we have communities that are part of a group part of the United States where polygamy is being practiced and it's also being practiced um you know in in uh, other religions within our country so it it's um i i think there's that when something has become normalized it's then the church and us as believers we're going to start to look very very different we are going to look um it yeah it, it's a time where we 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 will look different and um if our denomination is not um accepting um same sex marriage or transgender whatever situations then then we're going to look very different and are we going to be allowed to express that we have a whole situation in canada and perhaps in other countries about hate speech if we if we say something can be um aspects of the bible are are now going to be considered hate speech so um i think we're going to have to and and yet we're still to be people of compassion so it's um <laughs> we have to walk that compassion and and compassion for our society and you know do we look for that sort of country ride wide revival which is really the only thing that's ever changed nations mm-hmm. so anyhow um and and back to just briefly back to what Aaron was saying about pastors um um coming to him as he's traveling you know it, it indicates too that within this this accountability to one another within our own body of Christ that there's a lot of shame attached in that that we're all vulnerable to to certain things and 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 you know that that's just something that perhaps is lacking where leaders are they don't have that ability to to be accountable to another group of men if that's something they're struggling with because it probably opens up things what's happening with the pastors it's happening with others that's correct as well anyhow I'm glad we're having this discussion because I think we all we all grapple with it and um it's uh it's not it's not going to be going away. Yeah. No it won't. And we are and and, and I, this is the good thing that Leviticus doesn't leave our bible ever. So at the end at the <laughs> eventually we're all going to keep having to wrestle with this what does God think about sexual uh, human behavior and what are his standards and how how his heart on the matter and then his call for his people this is what i need you to to be like i need you to be able to distinguish what's holy and unholy i need you to be able to work this out and and um obviously for for the lord he uh, in in leviticus he gives people some codes this idea of a moral code and then for james when he's talking to the gentiles um be keep yourselves off, away from sexual immorality which of course would then beg the question what's that and of course he then turns around by saying but of course Moses has read every shabbat so you kind of know this is what i like and what i don't like and i the lord haven't changed so away we away we go uh it's been a pretty good discussion uh, there's two more hand raises and then we will finish it up 
Um, and then as we prepare for the next chapter, just let's all uh, endeavor to this week have an extra push at maintaining um, uh, sexual purity, encouraging those that have fallen to, to continue, and then pray for our pastors and shepherds that they will uh, begin also to live out a, a moral life and be able to preach the truth. So I'll go for Sharon and then the Butterfields. Yeah, I think I would just a quick comment that just I think this season in in in, in the world and in, in each of our societies probably really good points there, Janet, about Canada sliding so quickly down the hill as soon as you let sin mm. in the camp that it takes over. But the concept that I think this season of life calls for courage and bravery and a willingness to say, God, this is true. This is what God says. God, give me strength and courage to stand in my place, in my sphere of influence with all of my connections. And because add to that in North America, this whole society of victims, and what you have is, you know, a squeaky wheel that's hurt or broken, okay? No offense, but I'm just saying, okay, so a person who's hurt and broken from their childhood or things that happened, whatever, in the past, okay? And then if they, they're, if they're, if they have no Christian basis for life, and, and morality and their guide in life, their doctrines, then their new religion is an LGBT, you know, Q plus movement or whatever. And so they live it like we live it, right? And so that's why trying to, you know, get into their heads and understand where they're coming from and then understanding all that, that it's just turning and offering the solution that we have ultimately, that Christ is our salvation. He can help us. He can help us with our sexuality. He can help us with yep. all of these things. Amen. Sorry, that wasn't quick. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know, but that's the right there, right there. Okay, Vida or David, and then I've got one final comment. Aaron, I was, I'm, I'm going to expand a bit on what uh, Moti was saying earlier on. But first of all, our Lord God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. If I think of the times of Lord Jesus, the times of the apostles, they were under the yoke of uh, the Roman Empire. But nowhere do I see... Uh, them going out and protesting against what the government is doing, etc., like that. Uh, what I see is them uh, getting on with it with the father's business and uh, literally, you know, doing what Lord Jesus said on an, in another level, saying, "Render unto Caesar what is Caesar, unto God what is God's," and letting the Lord God take care of the rest of it. Right. So I've always struggled with this, with because I hear a lot of uh, uh, Christians go out there and protest and carry on against the government, etc., like this because we don't agree with them. And in so many ways, they're right. But is that our remit? Are we supposed to not just get on with the Father's business and let the Lord God take care of whatever government is in power at the time? Okay, so multiple questions there. Should we get on with the Father's business? Absolutely. Uh, we should definitely do that. Um, can we or can we not protest? Well, um, obviously, people have the right to, so they can if they want to. In the, in the early stages of Christianity, let's remember there was extreme minority. So what happens when you become quite a vocal semi-majority? And so, and so that's what, when, you, when you have a look at what happened in England in the 1700s and 1800s, there was a movement which was quite a majority that embraced holiness and got rid of vice and for a brief moment in time cleaned up England. Not 100%, but, but was okay there for a while. We actually call that little period of time Victorian morality. You know, where we actually attribute it as like, oh, Queen of England, Queen Victoria, she did all right, you know, <laughs> uh, for a brief moment in time. So there's, there's, there's that, that tension, um, and it's an incredible, incredible balance. Just to finish, and thank you for all the discussion, the last verse 
reminds us of a dark spiritual component to everything we've been talking about. He says, a man or woman who is a medium or a necromancer, you'll put him to death. You're like, really? Why did that, where did that verse come from? It just reminds us us, that there is a demonic aspect that is actually attached to immorality. And, um, And so that can be fought with the with the holy spirit that uh, has to be uh, acknowledged and challenged that uh, when jesus came against demons he never left them alone and uh, and so as dan's had some experience some of us have also had some experience you should always just remember there is a spiritual component to this it's not just uh, something um even in the secular world simply physical all right, brothers and sisters, thank you very much for wrestling with uh, holiness. Let's pray for all our countries, right, that, uh, that they will um, learn to distinguish the truth. We'll, we'll, do that. we'll do that right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we acknowledge your sovereignty and your kingship. We acknowledge that you made the world, and we acknowledge that you have a heart, Lord, that desires holiness that calls us into a life of holiness with you and so we pray for our nations and we pray for our governments we pray for our leaders and those that are having to make decisions please lord bless them with wisdom please bless them with your voice please bless them with courage lord to change immoral laws and bring in good laws that reflect your truth and lord please bless our lands that they will uh, not suffer under the curse as much. Bless them with rain. Bless them with fertility. Bless them with, um, with, with health, Lord, and green and, and, and all those things. We pray, Lord, that you will bless our nations in your love, in your mercy, and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org. Blessings from the City of the Great King.